right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show, the second half of the Leo Roundtable Show. Guys, this is a, it's an updated article or, or just an update article, but I'll tell you there is a video associated um, with this. Um, it's it's one of the another hard video to watch, uh, but there is a interesting story um, tied into this, and there's going to be a, a a moral to this story. Uh, it's on Police One and also covered on Thin Blue Line TV. Samaritan killed. Colorado gunman then was shot by police while holding suspects gun guys we've talked about this and we've talked about taking police action or even if you're a civilian taking action and, and what you should do when you have reason to believe that there's going to be responding police you know coming to the scene um, and, and this is a perfect example of that um, so um, uh, Arvada Colorado so the police there the officer fatally shot a good Samaritan named Johnny Johnny Hurley after Hurley killed a gunman that was intent on murdering police officers and picked up the gunman's AR-15. So minutes earlier, the gunman ambushed Arvada police officer Gordon Beasley and fatally shot him. There's a video of this. Um, it's hard to watch, um, but, it, but anyhow, it, it, it happened. Hurley shoots, this is the good Samaritan, shoots the gunman that police identified as Ronald Troik and he was holding the bad guy's AR-15 when an Arvada police officer showed up. So video from a security camera released by police shows our bad guy, 59, uh, running up behind Beasley as the officer, who's a 19-year veteran, responds to a call about a suspicious person. It's 1.31 in the afternoon. It's on a Monday. So when we were doing our last show, broad daylight, it looks like he was pulled up in the parking lot in the car in his truck, and he sees the officer walking. So he just pulls up close to the officer, gets out, and he's walking, approaching the officer from the rear, but he's got this, you know, uh, this long gun in his possession. Um, officer Beasley stops and turns around and is immediately shot twice by the suspect. Officer Beasley did not reach for his gun and took no defensive action. He simply turned in response to the subject, who then shoots and kills him. So investigators found a note written by our bad guy with multiple statements about wanting to kill police, including, quote, today I would kill as many Arvada police officers as, as I possibly can, unquote. So the incident started um, initially at 12.49 p.m. with a call to police from the bad guy's brother who asked for a welfare check because Troke was going to do something crazy, he said. So at about 1 p.m., Beasley and an unnamed officer went to contact our bad guy at his Arvada home. They weren't able to find him. Soon afterwards, police receive a call about a suspicious person in Old Town Square. So that's where Beasley responds to the town square at 1.31 p.m. And he walks through an alley towards the plaza. So he's on foot at this point. And that's when our bad guy pulls up in the truck, parks, sees the officer, gets out with a semi-automatic. Now, now, actually, it says in the article that he had a semi-automatic shotgun when he shot the officer. He yells at the officer who turns around and uh, the bad guy shoots him. Surveillance video shows people running after the shooting. And then uh, Beasley, the officer's body, is laying in the plaza. So after he kills the officer, our bad guy shot, starts shooting out windows of patrol cars, fire shots in the air. He goes back to his truck, retrieves an AR-15 rifle, so the second gun. So as the gunman runs back to Old Town, Old Town, Old Town Square, Hurley, our Good Samaritan, shoots him with a handgun. And... Um, he had been shopping inside where else but the Army-Navy uh, surplus store, Brett, and he sees the gunman walk by and takes him out. So a responding Nirvana police officer then encount encounters the Good Samaritan who's holding the suspect's AR-15 and shoots him and kills him. So that's the way it's it, it just a sad story all the way around, but it's got that lesson with it too. Captain Bartlett. 
uh, first, what a horrendous thing. An officer's walking down the street and, you know, he turns and, and next thing he's dead. But I'm not sure this is more tragic, but the guy that brings down the bad guy is shot. It just shows that there's a, there is a huge gulf between, between a, 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 a civilian world and the police officer's world. This civilian did the right thing. He grabbed the guy's gun. He had no idea that he would be misidentified as, as the bad guy. You know, when I teach my class, I've been teaching concealed carry classes for years. And I get asked this often, when do I put my gun down? And my instruction is, when you believe that the threat coming to you is worse than the threat laying in front of you, it's time to put the gun down. But, you know, the guy was hyped up. He goes through the same things in his head as a police officer is going to go through. He probably didn't understand what was happening. So God bless both families, and I, and I salute all of them. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Attorney Ward. This is a terrible tragedy. I'm, I'm a little surprised that someone who acted as courageous as he, as he did, this, this civilian, uh, actually picked up the bad guy's gun. I, I would have thought that, that that's a no-no, and he would have known it was a no-no. Uh, it's absolutely impossible here to tell whether the officer did acted correctly or not because we just don't have enough facts. I'm assuming that he did because I presume police officers act, act, act appropriately. However, something tells me, in, in Randy's famous words a couple weeks ago, uh, how much are you going to make the checkout for it? Yeah, good point. All right, well, I think we all agree, sad video. And, uh, and I know we talk about, you know, if you're – Carrying under Leoso, you're an off-duty cop, plain clothes, whatever. The responding guys, whether it's from your agency or another jurisdiction or your old agency or whatever, they may or may not recognize you. Man, put like like uh, Captain Brett said, put that gun away, and and you should always be holding your ID up in your hand with your badge, your credentials, or whatever. Oh my gosh, uh, it just this happens. It doesn't happen a lot, but it, it, it still happens too often. If there's nobody else, guys, on this one, uh, we'll move on to our next one. We got a video coming up. Uh, and this is actually on thinbluelinetv.com and also kansas.com. Uh, there's a body cam, of course, with this. Wichita police officer shot multiple times on a welfare check call, and the suspect is killed. So the Wichita police officer shot multiple times Saturday night by suspect on a welfare check call. On the video, the officer approaches a white aluminum shed in a yard, and he opens the door to find the suspect, who's Tyler Hodge. He's 28 years old. He's sitting in an aluminum chair, yeah, aluminum chair in an aluminum shed. And he's actually facing the officer. He's got both hands on a long gun, um, looks like an AR, and the gun is vertical, and the butt of the gun you know, is on the ground and it's nighttime, but the officer has a suspect lit up with a flashlight, looked like pretty well lit up with a mag light, it looked like. The officer tells the suspect to, he said, quote, put the gun down and the officer has time to say it twice before the suspect stands up out of the chair, levels the rifle at the officer and he starts the fire. The officer moves out of that open doorway laterally from the open door, but he goes to the side of the shed. And of course, we're talking about a thin aluminum shed. There's really no protection there. It's not, uh, it's not covered. It's just concealment. And uh, the, hus the, the suspect can be heard audibly firing the weapon. So suspect Hodge open fires. Actually, there's two police officers that he, officers that he's shooting at. He continues to fire as officers arrive on the scene. So officers return fire killing the unidentified suspect, uh, but the unidentified officer 
that was hit was transported to a local hospital. He's in critical condition. The original call was regarding the welfare of two women in the home who were later found safe. Uh, when two Wichita police officers arrived on the scene, they began to take fire from the suspect, Hodge, in, who was inside uh, the residence. The one officer was shot multiple times and was taken to the area hospital. As the other officers arrived, it, it does say that they continued to take fire from our suspect, and he fired a total of 18 bullets. Wow. Uh, comments on this, guys? I, I know that Lieutenant Randy, just just tactically, I, I had some issues with um, the the whole aluminum shed thing and what the officer did. Um, but go ahead, uh, Lieutenant. The floor is yours. No, I'd like to. I'd like to know more. I saw it as well. Um, I think we're seeing a tr um, uh, this a theme here, and that is the failure to use deadly force when it's appropriate, and the hesitation. Hesitation kills cops. And we're seeing this over and over and over again. And it is, it's heartbreaking um, that the pressure from uh, the societal issues facing law enforcement today, along with, with spineless administrations and, and uh, prosecutors who are uh, activist prosecutors who actively want to prosecute cops, is creating the perfect storm of hesitation, and I'm afraid that uh, that we're gonna we're gonna be mourning a lot more cops because of it. Thanks, Lieutenant. All right, uh, Major Ron, former uh, former SWAT team uh, leader, there. Go ahead. You got two minutes. Yeah, I agree with uh, Randy 100%. That was that was a good, uh, great observation. Um, it used to kill me though when someone getting getting ready to kill themselves. They're suicidal, and they call the SWAT team so we can kill them. But uh, this guy clearly had no kind of uh, training because he gets there and the guy has a gun and you look at the gun. As soon as you see the gun, that thing can go through your vest. That goes through your vest like butter. And then you're gonna go behind some tin little jiffy ass shed and this guy's lighting you up. Um, as soon as he turned, stood up and turned that gun, he should have been double tapped uh, to the torso on one of the cranium. He should have been out right then and right there. But. Um, you know, everyone's hesitating, everyone's second guessing, and that's not good. Hesitation will get you killed. Uh, you know, so I agree with Randy. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. This job isn't always pretty. It's not always kissing babies. Sometimes you have to send people to their maker, and and um, that's an example of what happens when you don't. All right, very well. Well said, Major. And of course, Captain Brett, um, you're still you're still in the game, firearms instructor. Um, dealing with the troops, uh, but I don't know whether it's a training issue or just the individual, but the you could argue that the actions of the officer ended up getting another officer, you know, shot in this instance uh, when the bad guy wasn't wasn't taken out when he had the opportunity. So um, words, Captain? I, I think that when he saw the gun, he saw the he, he, he moved backwards. I, I, that's a pretty good reaction, moving backwards. But then he loses sight of. Now, I'm not a big proponent of shooting blind into a room, but I think, at least from what I saw, they could tell nobody else was in that shed. So it would, it would have been proper in that moment to back up, get to the ground, and just destroy that shed with every bullet in your magazine pouch and then, and then whatever else you can get. Because you know he's the only guy in there. You know he's a bad guy. Shoot through the shed. All right. Thank you, Captain. Uh, Andre, hold those thoughts. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back.
guys, I want to take this time and tell you all how the best watch our show. Now, we do our live show. It's streamed on Vimeo every Monday evening at 7 p.m. on Eastern Time, and it's also streamed to YouTube and the Facebook. And we hope to soon be adding LinkedIn. I've started a LinkedIn channel you know, for our show and also on Rumble. Now, out of that 90-minute live show on Monday, producer Will splits it up in the five sections. He embeds the videos and photos of the people that we're talking about and, of course, uploads those to YouTube Tuesday through Saturday. And I, in turn, put them on Rumble as well. We're also on Thin Blue Line TV, uh, which is thinbluelinetv.com with Ray Dietrich. And also, uh, we're at tampafp.com. So make sure some great ways to watch the show i really think that watching those segments tuesday through saturday it's really a great way to watch the show because the videos are contained right there so check those out please welcome back to the leo roundtable show uh, producer will why don't you hop in real quick and then andrea uh, Chris Madison and MVS just donated. Wow. Thank you, Chris, MVS, Mike MVS in Colorado, which we're talking about Colorado this evening. I don't know what you guys are doing over there, Mike MVS, but, uh, uh, but no, thanks guys for the support. Appreciate it. Andrea, did you have some words you want to, to uh, share in the last story? I was just going to say, and, and because I think I was probably, um, again, you know, we talked about me being probably one of the most recently retired. I think that watching training from when I first started, to when I finished up was very different. Um, training right towards the end, we were very fortunate to have you know great simunitions, a lot of scenario-based training. Um, but I felt like I was getting questioned more. The trainers were starting to question us more when we reacted to um, somebody, you know, holding a gun at us, or you know, or a, a scenario where I felt was a deadly force well, what more could you have done? So you're putting doubt in officers' minds when you're doing that um, and making them question as to why they would respond with deadly force in a deadly force situation. And I think, and my sergeant at the time was actually in the training with me and he flat out said, no, why are we questioning? That's a deadly force situation. I would expect for that to be the outcome. And I wouldn't want for my guys to not go home alive. And I think that's the big thing that we need to understand. We're putting doubt in these guys' minds um, during some of the training because we're expecting them to have another answer for a deadly force situation. You need to be able to articulate it. You need to know when you're going into a deadly force situation why you're going into that situation. Don't make people question why they're reacting that way when it's justified to use deadly force. And I do think that we're underacting. We've said it a million times. It kind of goes, you know, from the beginning when we talked about the morale, why the morale is down. People are questioning themselves. They don't know what to do. They're, they're, they, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. So it's, it's an unfortunate situation for law enforcement today. Thanks, Andrea. Lieutenant Randy. I want to talk about buzzword bingo and policing. The word de-escalation. This has become the panacea word of police administrations and politicians. And everything that is blamed on cops is blamed on the lack of, quote, de-escalation, unquote. And this is, uh, this has actually formed um, a, uh, an entire industry in the police training world. And uh, it, this, is, this, is really, um, this is really causing the much of the hesitation that these officers are uh, uh, are are beginning to not beginning to that are they are displaying now because of the 
um, impact of the de-escalation concept that is being just forced down their throats and then they are being held uh, to uh, even up to criminal uh, prosecutions for not using, quote, de-escalation, even when it's inappropriate to do it. A good point, Lieutenant, and you're and you're right. In California, they want you to go through all the possible de-escalation steps, including OC spray, taser, um, all these things before you reach lethal. But of course, you know they define it under the 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 new necessary standard. But but you're right that that is a uh, that's a heck of an issue to have to deal with. So good good point. And, and Lieutenant, I don't know if you're aware, you know, on our website leoroundtable.com, uh, we've been. Brett and I have been producing deadly force scenario training videos for civilians for um, what five years now, Brett. And every we do them every uh, every two years. And uh, Brett, we so need to get Randy down here. You know, when we do our next set of uh, of videos, that would be that would just be a lot of fun. But we we uh, if people listen to the show, if you haven't seen them, we've got I think eleven of them online right now. You watch the video. We shoot these. Sometimes we recreate them, but we try to really come up with original ones because you'll never perfectly create a deadly force scenario. You know that you cover in the news. You know it's just it's just almost impossible to recreate them exactly. Uh, but we've got eleven of those online now. We shoot them from multiple camera angles. We'll show you the scenario when it goes down from one camera angle. We'll ask you whether it's a good or bad shoot, and then we'll show you from a different camera angle and try to get you to change your mind. And you might see, you know, in the first shot, maybe you didn't see the bad guy had his hand on the cop's gun or he had a knife or whatever and we show you different camera angles there's one video we have with uh david d agresta where we get you to change your mind uh usually three times before you know whether it's a good or bad shoot and we we came up with those lieutenant to get people from doing these rush the judgments on social media when they see these shootings go down and you don't see what happened before you've got a limited view of what happens during and then you don't see what happened after and uh we we get a lot of positive responses from the uh from the videos but um lieutenant I just want to make sure that you're that you know that I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, and so uh, <laughs> Screen Actors Guild rates apply. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, no, yeah, we know, we know. Randy, yeah. you're not the only one in the Screen Actors Guild, brother, and um, right. that's why I don't, you know, that's why I don't have a glam squad or nothing. I get nothing. Yeah, we're gonna get you a new trailer, Ron, for the uh, for the show. So yeah, we're trying to wire it with with internet right now. Ron's the only guy. I on the love show the trailer I live in. Yeah, <laughs> Ron's the only guy in the show that does not need voice amplification. So yeah, all right. Well, have a look. Thanks, guys. Uh, moving along here. Then let's see our next one. Yes, it's video time. Uh, wow. I. You know what? I've got a commercial break coming up in less than two minutes. But I. I tell you what. I love these videos, Lieutenant Randy. I don't know if you know how much I love canine bite videos, but I. I. I am. Uh, I have a an affection for canines, and this is on Thin Blue Line TV. And it's a uh, there's body cam associated with this and dash cam. It's canine chomps down on Florida man. Of course, it would be Florida after police pursue in Marion County. Uh, so I'll get through as much of this as I can before the break. But the Marion County Sheriff's Office said a suspect with a suspended driver's license made a bad and very painful decision when he decided to run away from law enforcement. So body cam video was released of the incident involving Gregory Linder. He's 33 years old. So deputies say they tried to perform a traffic stop on Linder. He had previous encounters with deputies. Sheriff's Office said that they knew his driving privileges had been suspended so many times that it was now a felony for him to get behind the wheel. So after a short car chase deputies are able to pull a pit maneuver and they get him to stop 
but that doesn't end it. So this guy, it looked like he was pinned up against a tree or whatever. I think he got out through an open window on the driver's side. So loses the control of his car, gets out of the car, I think through the window. And now, of course, unfortunate for him, the deputy chasing him was a canine deputy. So uh, the canine officer releases canine uh, Adelmo to chase him through a wooded area. And that's when the screams start to happen. So when the camera comes back in the focus, you see the canine run by, but the canine's biting down on, on the suspect. It's a, it's a painful takedown, but right between his legs, right in the groin area. I'll, I'll leave it there for a second. We're going to do a commercial break and I'll finish up in just one second here. So look, let's talk about our radio coverage for the Leo Roundtable Show. We're on 23 radio stations, nationally syndicated. We're on the uh, Boss Hog Radio Network. Now, they gave us our first break in the terrestrial radio, and they're based in the Tampa area in Florida. So they have a station in uh, Bushnell. They're also in Lakeland. They're in Plant City, Florida, Winter Haven, and also Avon Park. We're also on WBCF in Florence, Alabama. They have an AM and an FM. We're on WKUL with two FM stations in Coleman, Alabama. Good Talk Radio, which is internet. We're also on amfm247.com, but they have stations in Tampa Bay, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, where Randy's at, Macon, Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boulder, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California, the Villages in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and finally in Washington, D.C. Also, threeriversbroadcasting.com is carrying our show as well. Guys, uh, if you are within terrestrial range, please check those stations out. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. We are talking about a canine bite video. It is sensational, if I say so myself. We're at the point to where in the video you see uh, through the body cam that the dog has got the, ba got the bad guy. So deputies are yelling at Linda, our bad guy, to stop. And canine Eldelmo is grabbing hold of the suspect between his legs, definitely the crotch area. Suspect has both of his hands down trying to protect his manhood. And the canine officer keeps yelling at him, Get your hands out. Get your hands out. The officer was very consistent on the commands, but the suspect yells out something to the effect. It sounded like he said, he's got my nuts. And uh, so then the officer immediately changes the commands from get your hands out to roll over. And the suspect, um, you know, ends up rolling over. But the officer also tells him, look, the dog's not coming off until we got you handcuffed. And so the officer was a man of his word. Linder, our bad guy, taken to the hospital, medically cleared, then transported to Marion County Jail, uh, the screaming, uh, Major Ron, was only something I've heard from from Chief Newman when he imitated you getting bit by a, a little chihuahua that you ended up shooting. So, but go ahead, go ahead, first, Major. First of all, I'm a good shot, so the dog never bit me, and it wasn't a chihuahua. It was a Rhodesian Ridgeback Rottweiler mix. Okay, that being said... Oh. Uh, this guy's a knucklehead because he's telling him to put his hands up, take his hand. I never would have moved my hands, ever, never, ever. I don't care if a little teacup poodle was on my nuts. I would not have, you know, lifted my hand so the dog could get a better, better cinch down. You know, that, that was that was a tough one, you know, in the nether regions. That was tough. But then, you know, you, you reap what you sow. The man told you K9, K9 was on him, and he was a man of his word, but to me, he was, wasn't moving fast enough, bro. Oh, my gosh. That thing was painful to look at. 
I know. And I see Andrea laughing. Andrea has no idea. She's not a guy. She doesn't know. She doesn't know how painful it is. She has no idea what she's laughing about. She's just, you know. Captain Brennan Ward, go ahead. Well, this is like a Sophie's choice. My hand or my junk. My hand or my junk. I don't know which is going to, you know, what am I going to need later? Can I wear hands or my junk? The only thing this made this better, if there was in-car video of the, of the officer heading back to the office with the canine, you know, they're always propped up between the seats, right, looking. And if that, and if that canine turned to the boss and goes, hey, Dad, how was that? And he's got a, he's got a toothpick and he's just working it up. Yeah, how was that? How was that, boss? Is that good for us? Can I get my chew toy? Wow. All right. You know what? I'm, you know, Ward does these deadly force scenario training videos. I'm thinking we get, you know, Jimmy Menendez, Kevin Aulis out there, bring a couple dogs. Ward always is talking trash, you know, and uh, yeah, get, yeah, we, we should recreate some of this stuff. But go ahead, Ward. The, uh, the pit maneuver appeared to be okay to me. Uh, <laughs> the, guy was the guy was driving recklessly. They were going slow enough where it did not appear to be lethal force. Sending the dog appeared okay to me, but here's what I don't understand. And I wish David were here to back me up because I know he would. I'm, I'm really kind of sick and tired of these dog, these dog videos where the trainer wants his dog to take a bite. In fact, we've seen videos where they even ask him to take a bite where it's totally unnecessary. When the guy's down and submitting, why don't they call the dog off? I mean, what's the purpose of inflicting pain when the guy's given up? I, I just don't understand it. I think it appears to me to be totally inappropriate. Now, Ward, you know, as soon as you said that, I was thinking, how would we be able to do this show without good videos if they called the dog off as soon as the pain was inflicted? How, how, could, we, how could we do a show? I'm sure Randy understands my, you know, my position on this. But, uh, uh, Brett, do you want to explain to, to Ward the, uh, the, I guess, the justification for the dog? Or I know – I know. Uh, no, uh, here's here's what I'm still thinking. You still had me at doing the videos with Ward and the dog. So <laughs> I'm still there. He just needs to make a decision before we start filming. Hands or junk. We need to have that in writing. Hands or junk. Now, he used to be an attorney. Uh, he probably needs these. The other stuff as an attorney, he didn't need those at all. So let's go ahead. Let's stick with the hands. Hands or the and junk. I I'll tell you, Ward, these dogs get so worked up. It does, they're going to bite somebody. And they, it, a lot of times it's the trainer um, or it's other cops. And, and, you know, when they release the dog, cops have to, cops learn, you freeze. You don't move. You don't chase the bad guy anymore. You stand still because the dog doesn't necessarily know, you know, who, who he's supposed to bite. And, uh, I mean, I've got scars all over my my body from from canines being bit and stuff. Uh, Ward, I know you've never had that experience. We really need to solve that problem when we get together for the next set of videos. But, uh, um, uh, Randy, I hope you're there to witness this. It would, it would, it would, I would find, I would, I would like to share that experience with you. So, um, go ahead, I Randy. Like, I would like for you to share that experience with me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 too, have a, uh, a canine experience where um, I was fighting with a suspect and the the dog was so big that he leapt. He was on he was on a leash, but he leapt up and he broke the leash and he landed <sighs> on yours truly. And the harder that dog bit me, the harder I hit that guy that was under me. So, wow. so I remember and but here's now I'm not saying that this was me, but the dog got blood poisoning from biting me. <laughs> And the, the oh. handler was very angry at me, very angry at me. But the, the dog, whatever was in my blood, I guess I shouldn't have been drinking that night previous. But but wow. uh, he, lived, he was fine, and he, and he every time he looked at me, he licked his chops after that. 
Uh, hey, this wouldn't My, happen if we're on an episode of Cops or anything by chance. Were the cameras rolling during this, or did we miss the opportunity? Oh, hell no. There were no cameras there. <laughs> Randy, the dog that bit me, Randy got lead poisoning. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wow. That's just sad. <laughs> All right, guys, any more comments on uh, on this? Uh, Where did you Randy? Randy's story reminds me of the Chuck Norris story where the snake bit uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is okay, but the snake died. I, I haven't heard that one, so interesting. All right, I got to look that up now to see whether he's pulling our chain or not. Okay, so let's see what we got. We got another main story. So these are a little bit deeper, and uh, we've got a little bit of time left before our final commercial break. But this is on policeone.com, newyork.cbslocal.com. And actually, Ward sent this to me. A judge strikes down New York City's vague ban on police restraints. So, um, yes, we're in New York. Judge on Tuesday struck down a New York City law that had prohibited NYPD officers from putting pressure on a person's torso while making an arrest, calling the measure unconstitutionally vague. Manhattan Judge uh, Lawrence Love wrote a 17-page opinion that phrasing in law passed in the wake of, uh, I guess, of the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd. It was hard to define, and it was ripe for confusion. So Love's ruling came in a lawsuit that was brought by police unions to oppose the law, which they refer to as a diaphragm law. Uh, they said that they were upset with it because it barred police officers from restraining people, quote, in a manner that compresses the diaphragm, unquote. So Love, who's the judge in his opinion, said that such phrasing cannot be adequately defined as written. He rejected the city's proposal to simply remove the words from the law because he said that it would not usurp the role of city lawmakers. And he said that lawyers for the unions argued that deleting the line uh, would have made the law even more vague, leaving officers susceptible to criminal charges uh, for sitting, kneeling, or even standing on a suspect's chest or back, regardless of how much pressure they applied for how long and whether that affected the person's breathing. And just for our lay people that are listening to the show, they don't know that, that look, we don't teach, you know, necks and, and stuff on, on, or I'm sorry, uh, knees on necks. Uh, like what happened in the Floyd situation. Uh, but yes, you do do three-point pins and stuff where you have to uh, use backs and those other things that might affect the diaphragm. And of course, it's not lethal. It's just an overreaction by NYPD. So instead, the judge urged the city council to revisit the law and address the language issue. So that's kind of where we're at on this. Ward, love to get your input on this. We've got two minutes left before the next break. Okay. The um I, didn't, I couldn't find the judge's opinion, but I read his opinion a year ago when he dealt with the, the preliminary injunction that was requested. Um, the law uh, actually criminalizes the restriction of air uh, or blood by compressing the windpipe or the carotid arteries. That was not ruled upon by the judge. No one objected to that. The part they objected to was the part that said sitting or kneeling or standing on the chest or back in a manner that compresses the diaphragm in the course of affecting or attempting an arrest. Uh, uh, coincidentally, oh, not so coincidentally, this actually is exactly what's in the New York Police Department patrol guide on, on what you're not supposed to do. But this is a criminal law. This is not, this is not a matter of policy. The, the purpose of requiring a, a law that's not vague is to allow people to know what they're supposed to do to act lawfully and to avoid arbitrary and unfair prosecutions. The judge ruled that this, just the diaphragm part of the law was unconstitutionally vague. 
I, I think he's 100% correct. Um, the, the, the city offered to take out the words, compresses the diaphragm, which would make the law even worse. Uh, so I, I think the judge did a great job. Uh, I personally have wondered whether the same argument can be made with respect to these laws we're seeing about police officers having to exhaust all alternatives prior to using lethal force. I mean, how, how do you define what all alternatives is? So I, I hope someday someone challenges those types of laws under the same theory. Interesting. All good points. Thank you, Ward. Guys, if there's nobody else, let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. We will be right back. So, look, this is our last commercial break. Let's talk about our podcast and TV, uh, all additional exposure you can get from the show. Uh, so, Law Enforcement Today, they actually market our podcast. We have an RSS feed. We're on Anchor, which is our main staple in the podcast format. And from there, they put us on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which, of course, is iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and also on Spotify, uh, which I'm sure almost everyone's familiar with. In addition to all those podcast formats, and it's also a great way to watch a show when you're driving to and from work because, you know, it's, it's strictly audio and it's safer, um, we are on livefreetelevision.com. Now, they stream our show. In addition to that, they're adding us this summer. So over the next few months, we're getting on Roku and also on Firestick TV. So, guys, um, additional ways you can watch and catch our shows, so please check those out. back to the Leo Roundtable show. You know, on Police One, it's got the Border Patrol chief being forced down, and they're seeking a replacement for him. Of course, he was from the Trump era. Uh, so uh, we had the chief of U.S. Border Patrol forced out of the job on Wednesday after less than two years in the position. Rodney Scott uh, wrote to his agents that he's going to be reassigned. He said that he'll continue to work hard to support them and said that uh, they told me he had to decide in 60 days whether he wanted to be reassigned to the retire and he hadn't not made the decision yet. And uh, it says uh, Rawl Ortiz, uh, he is the um, interim chief now. He was Scott's deputy. So I don't know if there's any surprises over that, all the stuff that's going on over the, you know, at the border. Um, and I don't think that uh, Kamal is up for the position. So we'll have to watch that. So if there's no comments on that story, I'll move to the next video then, thinbluelinetv.com. And we have a body cam associate with this. A deputy fatally is shot, suspect trying to run him over. So I guess, I'm sorry, the deputy fatally shot, suspect who was trying to run him over, and the deputy's not going to be charged. You know, we're critical over a lot of these videos where uh, cops end up shooting guys that are behind the wheel of a car. This cop was cleared. Curious what you guys think about the video. Protesters actually stood outside the uh, Bill Heddles Recreation Center in Delta, Colorado. And that's where MVS is, of course, on Wednesday, chaining for justice for Paige Schmidt Pierce. That is the Austin woman who was fatally shot by Delta County Sheriff's Deputy Nolan Davis. And this happened in April. So at a press conference inside earlier, District Attorney Seth Ryan said the deputy had acted in self-defense when he fired eight shots in the Pierce's windshield and the car as it bore down on him in a private driveway. And it was involved of a civilian ride-along. And also there were two other witnesses. So he's got the... 
I guess the prosecutor or district attorney, you know, singing his praises, which I guess is better than the other alternative. Her car came within feet of the deputy after he stepped out of his vehicle. And this is according to the district attorney. And although she could have diverted to get around him, she did not. So the encounter began when Deputy Davis attempted to pull Pierce over on a highway because her car did not have license plates. Uh, she drove off at high rate of speed past a column of vehicles in a no passing zone. A worker on the highway said that he had to wave his arms as she sped towards him on the shoulder. He directed her um, to where she went off the highway and the pursuit continued on the private property. There was a man uh, pulling out and another man was in his yard. The body cam footage uh, starts approximately, I guess, two and a half minutes before the deputy opened fire on her. So because Paige's tires have been deflated by spike strips, um, which it would have been cool to see that, but they don't have that in the video. Debbie Davis gets out of his patrol truck, and he's getting ready for a foot pursuit. But at the time he exits his car, she's still driving her car, and uh, she comes at him. So she speeds. She's going about 15 miles an hour, and, you know, there's a distance between her and the deputy's uh, car. She could have stopped at least one car length before him, but she did not. So anyhow, long story is, is that it took her 1.8 seconds to close that gap and they completely justified the shooting on video, uh, which was a relief. Guys, uh, we got seven minutes left in the show. Any comments on that video? Um, you know, I didn't personally have any problems with it. I thought it was justified. And once I heard, you know, I initially questioned why the officer kind of pulled over and jumped out of his car when she was facing him. But knowing that he was getting ready for a foot pursuit, that kind of justified it in my mind. And I didn't have any more questions after that. So if there's no questions, we'll go to our next video then. And let's see, this one, we've got Thin Blue Line TV, and we are sltrib.com, body cam associate with this. Stabbing suspect charges officers with a knife. He eats lead for his efforts. you got to love the titles that Thin Blue Line TV gives these articles. So we're in Salt Lake City. So the police there released a video on Thursday showing two officers fatally shooting a man who ran at them with a knife in Pioneer Park. It happened earlier this month. The officers got to the park. Early in the morning, 8.45, that's early for me anyhow, this happened on June 10th, uh, to investigate a report that a woman had been stabbed. Now, the video shows as the two officers arrived, uh, men who'd been helping the woman pointed out a 39-year-old guy named, I'm going to butcher the name, the Rizik Yaya. Uh, he's sitting about 100 yards away from them, and he's in the park, and he's under a tree. So she says that that's the guy that did it. They confirm that he's the one that stabbed her in the stomach and the arm. She's bleeding heavily. And so the officer says, all right, we'll go find him. So we have two officers, they kind of split up and they start walking towards you know, this bad guy that's in the park under the tree. So video shows our bad guy staying up when he notices the officers. So one officer sees that he still has a knife in his hand and tells the guy, yo, put the knife down. And the guy um, doesn't respond to the officers and they're still approaching him. So the officer tells the guy to put the knife down the second time. And uh, that's when he tells his partner to get out the taser. Well, almost simultaneously, when the officer tells his partner to go over taser, this bad guy runs at the partner, you know, that's supposed to be pulling out the taser. And he's, he's like sprinting at the guy. So the officer keeps yelling at him to drop the knife. But you see, as the guy's crossing ground, the officer, it's, it's getting close to a crossfire situation where the guy, the officer's tracking him with his gun. And you know, the guy, if the officer doesn't pull the trigger soon, he's going to, you know, his, his partner's going to be in the backdrop. So uh, the officer um, finally, you know, shoots the bad guy just inches from where he gets with the officer. The officer, his partner actually falls down. I thought that he'd actually been shot. So 
says the officers, officers, both of them actually fire several times, hitting the bad guy who falls and cranes forward with his hands in front of him. He lands within a few feet of that officer um, who also fell down. And it says that police have not said how many times the bad guy was hit. After the shooting, video shows the officers tried to get him to let go of the knife in his hand. Our bad guy died at the park. The woman whose name police have not released, she was critically injured but expected to survive. But a pretty wild shooting at that. Uh, we got four minutes, guys. Comments on that video? Anybody? I think uh, you're talking about a crossfire. I think that other officer fell down because he said, crap, I better try to dig me a very quick hole here. I need an entrenching tool. So I don't think he fell. I think that he was trying to trying to get very, very small. But it was funny how the bad guy, when he took the hit, he actually took a leap forward. I have not seen that before ever. Usually you get hit, just fall right down. So I don't know why he took the big leap. But I give him a I give him a a 9.5 on the leap. All right, thank you. All right, Major Ron. You know if 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 you know one guy gets the less lethal, okay, whatever. But I'm not gonna be the one with the less lethal. And you got a guy that's already stabbed a woman that they're working on, and he has a knife, and he's coming towards us. Hey, hey, get the get the taser. No, you get your taser. I'm getting my nine. You know, but. This is crazy, craziness. We've discussed it so much tonight, but um, you know, when bad guys prevail, I mean, when good guys prevail, and that's all that matters. Um, the lady survived, and so did the two police officers. Excellent point. All right, Attorney Ward. Um, I, I I thought this was a good shoot, but that's not my point. Uh, as a sidebar, I will say that it always amazes me if these guys who do terrible things are wearing are wearing their COVID mask. Um, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do disagree with you about loving the title Eating Lay. I, I, I do not love that title. I think it's a huge mistake. I think it does a disservice for community relations. And if I were prosecuting a cop and I heard him make noises like that, I would use it as evidence against him. Okay, well, I, in, in, my, in my defense, Attorney Ward, I feel like I'm on trial here, but, you know, it, it was not made by an agency. It was made by outside third parties, so not the officer, not the agency he works for. But I, I understand your point. I mean, it would be like an officer uh, putting notches on his gun for every bad guy that he shot or killed. No, I, I, so I get that. Um, Lieutenant Randy and, and Captain Brett, we got two minutes left. Um, I just want to agree with Ron on, on what he said about the I wouldn't want to be the I wouldn't want to be the cop that, that went for a taser for a stabbing suspect that's armed. But I understand it because Salt Lake City PD has become a very, very uh, anti-law enforcement use of force city, which is wow. shocking to me, but that's the reality of Salt Lake City now. So, so Randy, how much trust factor would you have to have with your partner uh, with a guy <laughs> punching you with a knife and, he, and you're going the taser when the guy lunges at you? That's why I'm saying I'm going to run. It's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brett. Yeah, uh, to Ward's statement about the bad guy wearing a mask and otherwise doing the right thing. How many times have we seen, have we been in a, a car chase where the bad guy was signaling which way he was going to go? It was just the most amazing thing. I don't, I don't know why they do that. I guess they're, they're thinking if I signal, I won't get any kind of trouble because you're going to get a ticket for that crap. Yeah, you're the guy signaling left, and off he goes. It makes no sense. If there's not, then, you know, I've only got 45 seconds, so I'm going to make reference to, um, you know, one of these anyhow. Uh, 
You know, we've got a video of a body cam deputy fatally shoots a crowbar wielding suspect after a taser is ineffective. But yes, Brett, we have another video where the cop is holding uh, both the the pistol and he's holding the taser in the other hand at the same time. Uh, I, I know, I know. Um, we'll get producer Will. Thank you to the panel for being here on the show and for making yourselves available. Uh, really appreciate this. And uh, also, uh, we want to give a shout out to Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verdian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies for sponsoring the show. Also, uh, Pexip for uh, powering the show. And uh, Randy, that website is it? Uh, is it Wounded Blue? WoundedBlue.com. And uh, I'm I, I, I'm very proud to announce that Tommy Laren of Fox News will actually be co-hosting the Brothers in Blue Bash with me October 30th in Las Vegas. Guys, if you heard that announcement, that is a big, a big, big deal. Look, uh, thanks to everybody. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.